Hi, and welcome to yet another amazing episode of Dependus Belaining, the podcast, your favorite podcast. We're here and we're back. Hi, I'm Jen and I'm done singing. Okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Veronica. Oh, my voice is really scratchy because it's really early here. So. Veronica is a freaking superstar right now. She messaged me and was like, hey, are you are you ready to record? I'm I'm up and I'm ready to go. And I was like, sure. It's the middle of the day for me. I was like, wow, this is okay. Here we go. And I looked at what time it was for you and I was like, holy shit. This is early morning. It's five in the morning. Well, it was five in the morning when I texted you. Well, because Kyle has to work today and the kids are home. And I thought, well, let me get in there. And record Mm -hmm. before the kids are up because then it's going to be chaos. They have new toys (laughs) from Christmas and they've been fighting over my son's hoverboard. And I was like, I don't feel like doing that. I don't feel like doing that. So here I am. Here you are. I drank my coffee. I should be good. I should be good. You're a rock star, Veronica. We appreciate your early morning sacrifice. You know, I'm up early anyways. I like waking up early. Yes. When everything's quiet and dark. Yes. Like my soul. Yeah. That's what I appreciate. It's supposed to snow here today, by the way. What? Yeah. It's um, it's below freezing, that's for sure. I looked outside and there was like a thick layer of frost on our cars. And it's been cold the past few days. So I'm oh, not looking man. forward to freezing. No. But you know when you're on lockdown and... Not doing anything. Nothing matters anymore. <laughs> Does it even matter? <laughs> it doesn't even matter. It could just be, it, there could be a tornado and you could be like, well, there it is. It's my time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's fine. I. What will... else are you going to bring? Yeah. Sharks in the tornado. That's mm-hmm. fine. I'm okay with that. Flying sharks. <laughs> it's my time. It's my time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, how was your Christmas, Jen? It was good. It was yeah. good. Relaxing, you know. Didn't do a whole lot. <clears throat> Made a turkey and a few sides. I still cannot make green bean casserole because everybody's hoarding the French's fried onions. So no. <laughs> just got to have regular green beans again. No. But, you I'm know, sure it's you, okay. you could have made your own fried onions. Listen, it's all about being resourceful and creative. I didn't even chop them up, batter and fry them. That's too much work for me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not that creative. You know, it's fine. fine. (laughs) I like your ideas, though. Uh, You know, that's a smart way to look at it, though. I should have tried something. But (laughs) (laughs) I just gave up because it's 2020. Yeah, which is 2020 has given up on us, so mm-hmm. we're giving up on it. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, But how was your Christmas? It was good. Like I told you before we started recording, I was super busy in the kitchen. I was very ambitious, and I was like, oh, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make that, and everything. It's going to be great, and it's going to be wonderful, and we're going to listen to Christmas music. And it was mm-hmm. all of that, all of the above. It really was. But my body hurt so bad at the end of the day that I was like, was that really worth it? I didn't really get to spend that much time with my family because I was in the kitchen a lot. They had a wonderful time, my children. They did. 
Um, but I was in the kitchen for two days straight and my feet hurt so bad. And I was like, God damn it. I should have asked for slippers for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I kept telling Kyle, I was like, I'm entering the age where I'm going to need orthopedic shoes soon (laughs) because my feet are killing me. Um, but no, it was really good. It was really nice. Kyle got me a, a massaging pillow. Like it has these things on the inside that like turn and it's like a shiatsu massage. Yeah. I fucking abused that thing so much <laughs> that I bruised my back. Yeah. My back is like bruised. It's like tender to the touch. So I was like, I got to stay away from it for the next couple of days. But I was Take like, a this break. Is good. Yeah. I was like, this is good. I was like, this is money. I will never leave the couch again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Money so, well but, spent, worth but it. But my back is like tender. Like I can't even lean against the wall right now because it hurts so bad. <laughs> it dug deep in there. Good for you though. But it was, it felt good at the time, right? Oh yes, too good. <laughs> it was too good. So yeah, that was um, that was my Christmas, Christmas Eve, Christmas Boxing Day, and then my son's birthday was yesterday, and so we we were really busy. Yeah. He asked he asked for a sticky toffee pudding because I didn't make oh. it on Christmas Day because oh. I ran out of time. <laughs> <laughs> so we had that last night and he was just like over the moon about it. He loves it. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yum. Oh, sticky toffee pudding. We talked about it before. Oh, so good. So right? good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. We mm-hmm. sent a package home for our family and we were zooming with them last night. And we told them that. We're like, oh, yeah, we had sticky toffee pudding. They're like, what is that? And we told them that it was a cake and it just had a sauce over it. And I was like, oh, I sent you guys a package. And it it was in the package. And they pulled out the little cups of cake. And I had sent them something called spotted dick. (laughs) 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 Which is a cake that comes in a little cup and you just like microwave it. And it's traditional in England to eat that kind of stuff but it doesn't taste good it's got a lot of raisins in it I don't appreciate raisins other than on their own don't put raisins in my food no did you send it to your mother who loves to put raisins in everything my mom would probably eat the shit out of that thing she loves raisins (laughs) and she puts raisins in everything yeah you know have you have you had the I think I made it for you um rice pudding yes yeah, so yes, we have did. that. Yeah, we have that. We like we eat that a lot in Mexico. And my mom puts raisins in it and they they like swell up again, so they're not quite grapes because <laughs> they've been sun-dried. They swell up and I just don't like the texture of of them in my mouth. They kind of no. like burst once you chew oh. into them. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's not they're not bursting fun. raisins. It's not a fun kind of burst. Mm-mm. Like when you eat the bubble tea, that's a fun burst. That is a fun it's burst, kinda, yes. It's kind of just chewy, but yeah. Anyways, see, again with the food, Jen. <laughs> again with the food. It's always about the food. Well, what else are we going to talk about? There's nothing else to do besides eat right besides now with eat. our nine months or ten months or infinity months of lockdown. So Infinity months, yeah. We watched the movie, um, oh, fuck, I can't remember what it's called. It's with George Clooney. It's on Netflix right now. 
about him uh, uh, being some sort of scientist. Mm -hmm. And the Earth is not inhabitable anymore. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, I, I saw a preview for that just recently. And I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we watched it. And so they like in the movie, they they are exploring a moon on Jupiter, one of Jupiter's moons. And it's uh, like the right conditions to live on it. I was like, I want to move there right now. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> like, take me there. <laughs> yeah, take me to that moon that George Clooney discovered. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. If I can live there, yeah. take me. I'm ready to get away. Only just yeah. the people who don't have COVID. We can't yeah. infect another planet with COVID. <laughs> I will respect the planet. I will live off the grid. I think yes. I would survive all right. We're, mm -hmm. We'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> Be fine. It's like camping, though, Veronica. Can you do it? I hate camping, Jen. No, <laughs> probably not. But for the sake of <laughs> humanity, I would. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand the appeal of sleeping outside. I don't get it. And Kyle's like, "You're not outside. You're in a tent." I was like, okay, well, I don't understand why I would want to sleep on the ground. He's like, well, you can take a blow-up mattress. I was like, why would I sleep outside on a blow-up mattress when I can sleep in my house on my nice cushy mattress? I'm sorry, but I'm not going to suffer for your right. entertainment. With all the bugs and, like, the scary noises outside and potential, yeah. like, bears or something that's going to eat me. Yeah. Yeah. We went on a softball tournament. Well, I accompanied Kyle on a softball tournament one year. And we went to Germany and we slept on the field. And I was like, okay, well, that's, I know there's bathrooms and showers nearby, so I'm okay with that. It rained like a torrential downpour all night and the tent leaked right onto my head. And I had to <laughs> sleep on a soggy pillow. It was awful. Awful. That's not fun awful that's <laughs> not, fun, not at fun at all no they didn't have a good time mm -mm. and so he went and bought like a new tent the following year and we went on that tournament again and then um i had my girlfriends were with me and we got drunk and gotten like a goldfish cracker fight it was awesome so <laughs> that makes it better drinking makes it better i think that's why people camp a lot of the times they can drink depends on that's, what type of yeah. camping you're doing though yeah I just don't like any type of camping. So. <laughs> pass. <laughs> I ruined That's it for a hard Kyle because he likes it. Yeah, it is a hard pass. Anyways, do you like camping? Um, I've only been a couple times, and I don't know. It's okay. I just don't really like creepy crawly things around me and having to like find somewhere to go to the bathroom and how to wipe and... How to pee so that I'm not peeing into my pants and yeah. 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 This is why men hotness. like camping. Yeah, yeah. This is why men like camping because they can just whip it out and pee anywhere. I know. We can't. We have to pretty much undress and like, you know, stretch Squat before hover. we go. Yeah. yeah. Legs Make are sure spread wide. Yeah. It's a difficult position to hold yes. because... You don't want to splash your shoes. No. But you want to get closer to the ground. Yeah. And that takes some stretching prior. Stretching. So. You're going to see if there's a tree nearby. You can hold onto a tree with one hand while you're moving your clothes out of the way and making sure your shoes are at far enough apart and angled <laughs> so that you don't splash all over yourself. And yeah. Yeah. It's not fun. And, 
It's a compromising position if someone sees you too. It's like, what what are you doing? You can't hide from it because like men can just be like, oh, and slip it back in. No, no. If I'm sitting and squatting and hovering like that, no, ass is out and everyone's going to see it as soon as they walk by. <laughs> it's not going anywhere because yeah. there it is. Yeah. I can't Hello. cut it off that fast. There's no, no. tucking it in in here. No. Yeah. So from now on, when we go camping, we wear long prairie dresses. There you go. And then just uh, just stand awkwardly. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I'm just standing. What's that sound? Nothing. It's not pee nothing. coming out of me. Yeah. It's not pee hitting the ground. Mm-mm. It's your imagination. You can't see anything. You don't know what's going on under this long dress I've got. Okay. Jen, first, why don't you tell why don't you tell our listeners where they can reach us if they have any questions or suggestions or stories about camping? Let us know how your Christmas and New Year was. Happy New Year, by the way. Well, if you have any of the above mentioned or anything else you'd like to share or have a question on, you can email us at dependispelaning at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And then you can also download the Milso Muster app. Subscribe $4.99 a month for Milso Plus. And you can find our podcast there every week when updated, as long as we're there weekly. Because, you know, sometimes we need a break. Like last week in a holiday. Yes. And... Like we talked last episode, send us your secrets, stories, yes. mysterious stories, military mysteries, related. mysteries, anything, anything you want to share. That could be a really fun story to share uh, on the podcast. We will do it yeah. for you. Send we it would our way love to. Absolutely great, great Jen. Okay, are you ready for my story? I'm so ready. It's kind of long. But okay, it's really I'm interesting. Ready. I love um, it. I, I got, got my ginger ale. I'm ready to go. All right. <laughs> I want some ginger ale. That sounds yum. I did a lot of drinking this weekend, too. Mm-hmm. That's what you do Basically, on the holidays. I don't fit in my pants anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing stretchy pants from now until the new year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ring in the new year. Very stretchy. Yes. Okay. So I got most of my information on Wikipedia, an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, and a brief 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 um watch of an old episode of 2020 (gasps) so my story today is the tragic and mysterious crash of aero flight aero air flight 1285 so this is a um aero flight aero air flight sorry from now on i'm just gonna refer to it as a dc-8 because that's what type of jetliner it was Aero Air Flight 1285 was a McDonnell Douglas DC-8 jetliner that operated as an international charter flight carrying uh, U.S. troops. They had just completed a six-month peacekeeping deployment in the Sinai Peninsula, which is in Egypt. The aircraft departed from Cairo, and they had 256 people on board. 248 of them were servicemen. I believe... They were all men, so I'm just going to refer to it as men. I didn't see any females other than the crew. So it departed at uh, 2035, 
or 8.35, for those of us that don't know military time. Um, it had two scheduled stops between the final their final destination and their home base in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. So their first layover was in Cologne, Germany on 12 December. Christmas markets in full swing, if you guys have ever been there. Awesome. Uh, so at 0121, that's when they landed in Cologne. Uh, there they had a, a new flight crew board the plane. On this new crew was Captain John Griffin, First Officer Joseph Conley, and Flight Engineer Michael Fowler. So most of the most of these people were like in their twenties and they were heading home for the holidays. So you can imagine it was like everyone was excited and ready to see their loved ones. So the fl- the flight departed Cologne at zero two fifty, and they were expected to arrive in Gander International Airport at zero nine. Uh, 04. Uh, Gander is in Newfoundland. Newfoundland is in Canada, by the way. So, okay. okay. Upon arrival, the passengers exited the aircraft, probably super tired from the long flight, stretching their legs, or just, you know, routine. While on the ground, uh, there was an external inspection of the aircraft that was performed by Michael Fowler, the flight engineer. Um, it was refueled and then ready to be reboarded. So, everybody's back on the airplane, ready to go. Um, all checks have been done. Let's go. So, the aircraft began its takeoff on runway 13 at 0645 local time. Eyewitnesses, after it had taken off, eyewitnesses at or near the airport reported the aircraft seemed to have like difficulty gaining altitude. Uh, once airborne, the airspeed reached... 172 KIAS before decreasing again. So KIAS is like their airspeed indicator. It uses like the difference between the total pressure and like the static pressure. I don't know. It's a fancy way of measuring airspeed, basically. <laughs> so the DC-8 was starting to lose altitude. It crosses the Trans-Canada Highway, located about 900 feet from the departure end of runway 22, at a very low altitude. The aircraft, the aircraft's pitch increased and it continued to descend. So this is just moments after takeoff, right? Yeah. Now, wit- yeah, now witnesses, again, at um, the airport or near the airport... And people driving on the highway stated that they saw a bright glow emanating from the aircraft. They claimed that there was a light, like a bright light. Uh, I mean, it took off at what time? Did I say? 0645. So it's still dark out, probably. It took off. It pro- uh, they saw something light up the sky. They looked up and they realized it was coming from the airplane. And it looked like the airplane was on fire. Um, the DC-8 crashes less than three miles from Gander Control Tower. The wreckage is scattered in an area about 1,300 feet long and 130 feet wide. There are no survivors. So again, this was just less than a minute after taking off. Almost immediately after the crash, a man uh, purporting to represent the Islamic Jihad a terrorist organization calls a U.S. consulate in Algeria to claim responsibility for this tragedy. Of course. This was quickly discounted by U.S. Army officials who had arrived in Gander soon after the crash. So they said this was not 
a terrorist act. A Canadian board of inquiry who investigated the crash claimed that the crash was caused due to ice. So five of the Canadian Aviation Board um, made up, it's, it's a group of nine people on this board, and um, five of them found that, the, that during the approach towards Gander, precipitation conditions were favorable for the formation of ice on the aircraft wings. And once it had landed, it continued to be exposed to freezing precipitation that may have accumulated on the wing's upper surface. Uh, they also found that the plane had not been de-iced prior to takeoff in, um, in Gander. So it's December, it's freezing cold, and it's Canada, right? It's expected to be icy, and it wasn't de-iced, was their claim. Which to me hmm. is odd, because that would probably be the first thing that they do. Right, you would think. Mm -hmm. So the Canadian Aviation Safety Board was unable to determine the exact sequence of events which led to this accident. The board believes, however, that the weight of evidence supports the conclusion that shortly after liftoff, the aircraft experienced an increase in drag and reduction in lift, which resulted in a stall at low altitude from which recovery was not possible. So that was the drag was from the ice. It didn't allow the uh, airplane to fly properly. So the most probable cause was um, that the stall, the stall was determined to be like ice contamination on the leading edge of the upper surface. Sorry, of the upper surface of the wing. <laughs> I had to go to my next page. <laughs> okay, so other possible factors such as loss of thrust from the number four engine and inappropriate takeoff reference reference speeds may have compounded the effects of the contamination. So it was like um, the ice plus these other factors that caused it. But, Jen, four of the Canadian Aviation Safety Board people, they did not agree with this theory. So half, almost half the board, they didn't agree with this. Les Philotas, I'm sorry if I don't, I'm not pronouncing that right. We're just going to call him Les. Um, he's an aeronautical engineer, um, dissenting board member, and he believed that an explosion took place and caused the crash. He believed that it was a small explosion that disabled the control system and led to the disaster. But it is unknown whether it was sabotage or if there was detonation of one of the weapons on board. Another observation that put doubt in the, into the minds of these board members was the state of the aircraft. It was completely disintegrated. Usually when a plane crashes shortly after takeoff, there are larger pieces of the aircraft that are still intact and there are usually survivors. Because again, it was less than a minute after takeoff. So how far up could it have gone? <laughs> I'm right, not, yeah. Uh, I don't drive airplanes for a living, so I don't know. Right, but still, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that kind of makes sense if it didn't wasn't able to get up very high anyway. Yeah, it's not likely for it to completely explode. Right, for it to like Like, on impact or gaining the speed. Yeah. So there is usually no large explosion with in a situation like this because the fuel tanks are full and there isn't enough time for the fuel to mix with oxygen. Oxygen. It's hard to say that word. Because it was full. They had just refueled. Right? Yeah. Um, 
this would that would be the cause for a large explosion if it had been in the air long enough for the oxygen to mix with the fuel or if it just had less fuel but it was full so whatever caused the explosion was not the fuel tanks what but like was it from the inside because you know they do think it was an explosion these board members Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the U.S. government is very quick to deny the possibilities of an onboard explosion. They also deny that ammunitions or explosives of any kind were being carried as cargo. But eyewitnesses at the Cairo airport claim otherwise. So they claim that when the DC-8 was still in Cairo, the 101st Airborne... Oh, I didn't say that, huh? That's who it was. That, who, that's who was on board. I'm so sorry. I didn't... It didn't state that. It was the 101st Airborne that was on the flight. So a very elite group of people. Um, So they waited like eight hours while they were transferred from a different aircraft onto the DC-8. Eyewitnesses say that the duffel bags and belongings of 48 members were left on the tarmac in favor of loading the plane with wooden boxes. Many believe that there were weapons in these boxes. Mm-hmm. This is from people at the Cairo airport. Hmm. So, back at Gander, uh, investigating the crash, Harvey Day was one of the rescue workers at the crash site, and he says he saw five wooden boxes. He tried to walk, like, towards the boxes to see what it was, just because he was, you know, he was a rescue worker, and that was his job, to, like, oversee stuff. So, he, but he was, like, quickly intercepted um, by military people. He said that he was about 10 feet from the boxes when he was, again, stopped, but not before he noticed that the state of the contents of the boxes, he said the boxes looked burnt, but they contained rifles and little metal boxes like ammo and like missiles. So he says he saw weapons and they they were like stacked and placed in like a roped off area where nobody else can get to them. Uh, He was told to leave because it was none of his business as it was official military business. And Harvey also recalls uh, an unusual hotspot resulting from the crash. So firefighters had continuous a continuous stream of water to this particular spot and they just couldn't put it out. So the fire kept flaring up despite the water that was being sprayed on it and it continued to burn for like 23 hours. So they kept spraying it down. And then as soon as the water stream was removed, it would just, like, flare up again. Huh. Um, yeah. So to some... And then... Uh, so I kept... The fire, like I said, kept burning for 23 hours. And within days of the crash, over 30 rescue workers started to feel ill. To some of them, their symptoms were of those with, like, radiation poisoning. Whoa. Yeah. So then the, the ground crew... At Gander also claimed to have not seen ice on the airplane. One of them said that they, he even had his hand on the airplane. He said he would have noticed if it had ice. So it was probably de-iced or it didn't collect ice. Yeah. So, yeah. And according to an unnamed source, the U.S. government sealed its crash investigation records for a period of 70 years. But they, of course, deny this. <laughs> Why would... um? You know, why would this be done if it had already been resolved? Why would they seal the records, you know? So Hmm. they deny having such records and they don't exist. Uh, The family members of the victims 
uh, question whether the U.S. government is covering up something politically embarrassing that could have been trouble for the Reagan administration, who, you know, Reagan was president at the time. Um, so was the government just protecting itself by putting at risk the life of those on board? So, like, in the 1980s, the U.S. government had begun illegally selling weapons to Iran. Uh, there was uh, the, the Iran-Contra scandal, or simply the Iran-Contra, was a political scandal in the United States that occurred during the second term of the Reagan administration. Senior administration officials secretly facilitated the sale of arms to the, the Khomeini. This is an Iranian polit politician and re revolutionary. So the Khomeini government of the Islamic Republic of Iran, which was the subject of an arms embargo. The official justification for the arms shipment was that they were part of an operation to free seven American hostages being held in Lebanon uh, by Hezbollah, a, primary, a paramilitary group with Iranian ties. Uh, connected to the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. So the plan was for Israel to ship weapons to Iran for the United States to supply Israel and for Israel to pay the United States. So this was like a negotiation that they were going to have in order to rescue these uh, hostages. So they were going to do a trade for these weapons. And so Colonel... Oliver North warned in two separate memos that the United States risked a renewed wave, quote, a renewed wave of terrorism, a U.S. reversal now, uh, could ignite Iranian fire. The hostages would be our minimum losses, end quote. So he's trying to prevent this. He's saying this is the least that could happen is that we would lose these um, hostages if we don't comply with the weapons um but however they were like we want to get these um hostages out we're going to give them the weapons risking you know <laughs> something bigger yeah um yeah um and it is believed that whatever happened in gander would have caused an international incident or political embarrassment so there was something on this aircraft that they believe could have implicated the reagan administration and caused um embarrassment basically so u.s government investigators seem to behave a little strange after the crash one of these strange behaviors was that the crash site was bulldozed three months after this is not normal this is definitely not normal especially for a situation where it's military aircraft where it is thought that there might be some foul play yeah so they claim yeah this they claimed that this was done in order to discourage those visiting the site from taking souvenirs. Um, also, the remains of the plane were disposed of. They were just disposed of. Yeah. This was also not a usual practice. Yeah, that seems so weird. Right? Well, because it's not a usual practice, usually they, like, take the pieces that they do have and try to reassemble it to the best that they can in order right. to study it and see what actually happened this is i mean we see this on the news all the time with like when there's you know plane crashes and and um they try to assemble it to see what caused it yeah that's so weird oh my gosh yeah. that's so weird i came across a um i think it was dateline or maybe an episode of 2020 as well that they were investigating some new aircraft that had 
these sensors on it that if it if it felt that it was at a, if they felt that the aircraft was at too high of an incline they feared that it it would stall and so it would like um bring the nose back down however these sensors were faulty and there was like three crashes because of it it was just recently this was just a few years ago and so like it would take off and these sensors would read like oh no like you know the nose is too high and it would pitch the aircraft but it would start like nose diving and because it's all um computer it would like override the the pilot the pilot couldn't get the aircraft to fly straight oh. anymore so they were wow. wrestling with this and there was crashes and these um and so they continued to fly with these airplanes and i believe there's there was like an investigation and i don't know maybe like fixing that error and they're due to fly like in the next few days i think yeah it was very interesting anyways (laughs) so the investigation it took three years to complete because for that same reason that they like had bungled the evidence you know gotten rid of everything so it took three years the shattered families were consoled by President Reagan, but they were not satisfied and they were they needed more answers. Um, the parents of one of those killed in the crash, James Douglas Phillips, his parents started an organization dedicated to getting answers. They requested several scrap samples from the DC-8 and to everyone's disbelief, the government actually sent them the scrap, the scraps of metal. They received them and they hired an expert to analyze the scraps and he noted that there was a like a pucker in the metal that um, indicated there was an explosion coming from within the aircraft. There was also um, uh, an insurance investigator that w- spoke to 2020 with the um, permission from his attorney, and he claims that there was an explosion on board. There was like a hole in part of the aircraft um, that was recovered. That was like a foot by foot explosion that could have been the cause of this. So it is believed that there was a fire or an explosion in midair, causing it to crash in a large fireball. It was also discovered that upon, so, sorry, they did autopsies on the bodies, and a lot of the service members had a large amount of carbon carbon monoxide in their bodies. They had breathed in the carbon monoxide prior to the crash. So carbon monoxide and hydrogen cyanide was what they found in them. So this is produced by the burning of materials like foam seats, which foam like you would find on aircrafts. So they think that the airplane was on fire before it crashed and they were able to inhale all of these fumes. Whereas if they crashed upon, you know, or if they they died upon impact, then they wouldn't have that in their systems. Yeah. It would make sense if those witnesses said that they saw an airplane and was like, or this really bright light and realized it was the airplane. I mean, that Mm -hmm. would make sense then to say that it's, it looked like it was on fire because then it very well could have been on the inside. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. So. Wow. So all 256 people died, 248 of them servicemen, and eight crew. So it was eight crew members, 248 servicemen. As of September 2020, <laughs> that death toll still con- uh, constitutes the deadliest plane crash in Canada and the United States Army's single 
uh, deadliest air crash in peacetime. Um, of the 248 servicemen, all but 12 were members of the 101st Airborne Division, Air Assault, most of whom were from the 3rd the third Battalion, 502nd Infantry. 11 were from the Forces Command Unit, and one was an agent from the Criminal Investigation Command, or CID. Um, a memorial to the 256 victims at the crash site overlooks Gander Lake, and another memorial was erected at Fort Campbell. There is also a memorial park in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, just north of Fort Campbell. And as of 2018, the scar from the crash is still visible and can be seen on the ground and in satellite pictures. In 1991, our friend Les from the Canadian uh, Aviation Safety Board member. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> You're doing amazing, just so you know. You're doing amazing. <laughs> I'm you so are. tongue-tied, it's too early. <laughs> in 1991, Les Velotas from the Canadian Aviation Safety Board, uh, he told the United States Congressional Committee that it was pos- impossible, impossible, <laughs> it was impossible for a thin layer of ice to bring down the aircraft. He published his um, exhaustive argument for the minority opinion that a possible in-flight explosion doomed the aircraft. Um, and like I said, this is the worst aviation accident in military history to date. And that is their um, final conclusion What was that it was ICE, even though there's other evidence. There's, n- there's like hardly any yeah. evidence saying that there's actual ICE. All these people denying right. that there was even ICE on there, but they're still going to go with that it was ICE. Right. And cover up whatever it possibly could have been. Whatever it possibly could have been, or that it was just, you know, there, there was an in-flight explosion. They could have just looked into that. Yeah. They could have probably said, yes, we had weapons on board and there was an explosion, unfortunate explosion, but yeah. What's so wrong about that? Like, what is so scary that you can't, like, admit that? I don't know. Maybe if they just don't want to be embarrassed by an incident like that. I don't know. It was really interesting to read all about it and to get into it and thinking, like, well, was it? Was it a terrorist attack? You know, that was dis- discounted right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole... That's crazy. Oh, yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, that is... The tragic story of Aeroflight 1285. Wow. If you all could just see my face the whole time as Veronica's telling us the story. My <laughs> face is just, my mouth is like open. My eyes are all wide. And it's just in my brain. I'm like, what? Yeah. Wow. No words. Yeah. I have no words. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe later on we'll find something out. But as of now, like I said, it was... um. It was just declared an accident and an unfortunate accident. But, you know, you have all these eyewitnesses saying that they saw they saw it on fire before it crashed. It's like, why don't they follow up on that? Right. Why wouldn't you? I mean, especially, yeah, especially because it's winter and it's early morning. So it's not the sun's not up and you're going to remember seeing a bright light in the sky like that and then realize that it's an airplane that's not something you're going to forget that you saw right well they're discrediting all these eyewitnesses from you know the people that saw it in the sky uh to like the people that were on site when you know to help clean up or put out the fire 
um, to the toxicology report saying that there was carbon monoxide in their lungs, which says that they were alive, you know, inhaling this. And then, like I said, with the, when I say carbon monoxide and the other chemical that results from burning foam, which would be like the foam you find on an aircraft Mm -hmm. and the seats. So, again, that means they were inhaling it. It was like a large amount of it. So they were inhaling that prior to impact because they would have all died on impact. And if they didn't, there would have been survivors then. There would have been some sort of evidence of them surviving at least for a few minutes. But it was so close to the airport that they were able to, you know, um, respond pretty quickly. Especially, you know, they have fire departments at the airport for that yeah. reason. So. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah, I don't, how, like, how can you dismiss all that? Yes. About the carbon monoxide and everything in their lungs. Like, yeah. that doesn't, that would make no sense if it was just, like, the plane just crashed and that was it. No, like, that wouldn't, right. it wouldn't make any sense. Especially all the people in the airplane. Yeah. I, like, wow. Well, and then, you know, the the insurance investigator from the company said that the, like, the the explosion was, like, from inside to the out. So the way it, like, you know, I imagine it, like, in cartoons where, it, like, it kind of looks like a flower, like, where it, like, explodes and it, like, the metal is facing to the outside of there. Yeah. So it was like yeah. that. It wasn't on the fuel tanks. It was on the fuselage. So if there had been an explosion, I would imagine that it would have been the fuel tanks. But I'm no expert. Yeah. That's just my thinking. I've watched a lot of Wiley e. Coyote cartoons. I know what I an know, explosion right? looks like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know what that looks like. That's crazy. Um, just everything that with it is so just like blows my mind how. How they cleaned up so quickly and got rid of everything and... Everything, yeah. I yeah. hate when they do that. It's just like an open shut case. Like, oh, yeah, this this, this is, is what, what I think it I... is. That, yeah. That's that closed case. Done. Clean it up. Yeah. Like it never mm-hmm. even happened. Yeah. But then you have, you know, these family members that are going to keep digging. And I hope they're still continuing to dig and I trying know. to find more answers. But they weren't satisfied. They weren't I wouldn't satisfied. be either. Yeah, I don't blame yeah. them. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yep. There wow. you go, Jen. Thank That's you for story. blowing my mind. Holy moly. <laughs> You're welcome. That's what I'm <laughs> Blowing minds. Wow. <laughs> one one episode at a time. One episode at a time. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. My fellow dependas. Dang. <laughs> crazy. Dang. Wow. What you got for us? Oh. <sighs> Not exploding airplanes. <laughs> had enough not. of that today. Thank you, Veronica. <laughs> You're That's welcome. A crazy story. But I do have information on an airbase. Oh, give it to me. So with the story last week, I we were talking a lot about Kirtland Air Force Base. And so I was like, hey, why not give you some information on... One of the bases in New Mexico. Yay! Woo! Fun stuff. New Mexico. So, land New Mexico. of... Land of what? What is New Mexico land of? Oh, you know what? I think it's... The rising sun. Something like that. <laughs> I might have it in here. 
I, I have a lot of different stuff. Uh, it might be in here. We'll have to see. If not, <laughs> I will tell you another day. Okay. <laughs> um, we'll so come back to it. We'll, we'll come back to it. So, Kirtland Air Force Base. I got most of my information from Wikipedia and the Air Force Base, the Air Force's actual page had some of it. They're also improving stuff, so I didn't get to get everything on there. But then there's a housing website and then Albuquerque's actual Visit Albuquerque website. Of enchantment. Of enchantment. Of en- oh, is that what it? <laughs> yeah. That's it. This is what Google told me. New Mexico is a land of enchantment. Sounds land magical. Of enchantment. Mystical. Mythical. It's not it me. is. You know what? It is, and especially at Kirtland Air Force Base, because it's located in the southeast quadrant of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And now I just lost my slot. Look at that. I'm so Great. excited to say that. We're in New Mexico. We're in New You're Mexico. You're in New Mexico. Yeah. It's not so bad, right? You know? I've never been, so I don't know. It always looks pretty in pictures. It, it is. Very I think orange. that's. I think that's where we drove through when we were heading back to Arizona one year. I'm pretty sure we stopped and stayed in Kirtland, and I can't remember, and that's so bad. But I know we stayed in Albuquerque, so that had to be it. Right? I mean, it had to. Jen, you're a terrible military spouse, but that's what I have a podcast for. <laughs> to teach me To air things. out those grievances. <laughs> Let everyone no. know. To prove to I you just, how terrible we actually are. I just have to use the Google. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yes. So, Kirtland is in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It was named for the early Army aviator, Colonel Roy, Roy C. Kirtland. And the military and the international airport say this. Uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. See, it's too early. It's too early. For tongue wagging. I'm just really excited. So the military, <laughs> so the base and the international airport share the same runways, making Albuquerque, ABQ, a joint civil military airport. I don't know that. Oh. That's kind of cool. That's like Honolulu. Honolulu and Hickam Air Force Base. Yeah. They share the same runway. That just blows my mind that they can do that. Share the wealth, people. Why share not the it. runways? There you go. Share it all. So, Kirtland is the largest installation in the Air Force Global Strike Command and the sixth largest in the Air Force. The base occupies 51,558 acres and employs over 23,000 people, including more than 4,200 active duty and 1,000 guard and plus 3,200 part-time reserve personnel. I don't remember what year that statistic came out, but I know it's pretty recent. Um, right. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Kirtland is home of the Air Force Material Command's Nuclear Weapons Center, or NWC. The NWC's responsibilities include acquisition, modernization, and sustainment of nuclear system programs for both the Department of Defense and Department of Energy. Mm. That's fun. The NWC is composed of two wings, the 377th Air Base Wing and 498th Nuclear Systems Wings, along with 10 groups and 7 squadrons. 
Kirtland is home of the 58th Special Operations Wing, the 58th SAO, and Air Education and Training Command, EAETC, unit that provides formal aircraft type slash model slash series training. Oh, wow. The 58th SAO operates the HC-130J, the MC-130J, the UH-1N, Huey, HH-60G, Pave Hawk, and CV-22 Osprey aircraft. Oh, okay. I know one aircraft out of all of that, just one. <laughs> I don't know any of that. That was just like you were mixing the alphabet with numbers. That's what it seems like. Um, so. The CV-22s, I've seen. It, the Ospreys are the ones that are... Helicopters that turn into airplanes. Oh. That's the only one I know out of all that. I Like, 130s, I know, but I only know C-130s because Dave used to work on know. those, and that's it. I don't, yeah, I don't know any of them. I remember when we lived on Guam and we would drive by the runway, Kyle would point out, that's an F-15 in the blobby yeah. blobby because you could tell yeah. by, the, by the tail. And I'm like, I don't yeah. care. <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand that at all. I'm like, it looks like, that one looks like a prop plane because it's got propellers and that's all I know. That one, that one looks like a a, a jet plane. (laughs) It's a jet. He's like, no, it's not a jet. It's an A-10. And I'm like, what? Excuse me? You just. Why do you got to put letters and numbers together? I don't understand. Why don't you just call them like regular names? Um, Yes. Like the Charles. That's a Charles plane. Yeah. Or that's a Karen over there. That's a Karen. She don't work that's very a, well. That's a Eugene. He's so smart there you go. with the name like Eugene. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. See? Much easier and understandable. That's but, something Kyle I mean, rattles off rattles off fire trucks. And if I say s- the wrong thing, he's like, that's a pumper. <laughs> that's rescue, whatever. But I'm like, they have water in them, don't they? <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? They're red and they have water in them. They got red. They got flashy lights. Yeah, he's like, need. actually, this one carries foam. Oh. Like, I don't care. Like, That's I don't great. Go we'll <laughs> save red, the people. Whatever. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your service. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, So Kirtland's mission fall into four major categories. Research, development, and testing. Readiness and training. Munitions, maintenance, and support to base operations for more than 100 mission partners. Mm-hmm. Dang, that's crazy. I put this out of order, and it's going to drive me nuts. But whatever, we're just reading, reading down the road. So Albuquerque, on its own, has a slightly lower cost of living than the national average. Oh. And the sun shines more than 300 days a year. Creating Bonus. weather that is ideal for many outdoor activities like oh camping. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's true. So yes. cost of living is awesome. So you will get more bang for your buck out there. But if you don't want to rent or buy your own house, you can uh, get a house on their family housing area. Uh-huh. It is base, base housing. Base, <laughs> base housing. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, I read it as a family housing, and I was like, what else do you call it? <laughs> base housing. You can stay on base housing. It is managed by Hunt Military Communities. 
Um, Kirtland Family Housing is zoned to the Albuquerque Public Schools, and residents may choose between two elementary schools, Sandia Base Elementary and Wary Elementary School. Both mm, are located okay. on base. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's unheard of in the States. That's, yeah, that's almost unheard of. Yeah, I know, like, back in the day they did... Because, like, Kyle, when he was, uh, when his family was stationed at Travis Air Force Base, I know he attended school on base. But you don't hear that very often Mm-mm. anymore. The, Not much. I know. Base. Yeah. I don't hear it quite often except for overseas. That's right. where I think of them providing schools to military kids. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah, you get two. A choice of two. Um... <laughs> I took this straight off of their website. Kirtland Family Housing makes building a great life easier by offering you and your family access to a wide variety of amenities. Oh. Access to Van Buren Middle School and Sandia Base Elementary Schools. Town Center. Community Center. Resident events, which can't happen right now because of COVID. Walkable neighborhoods with easy access to picnic areas, trails, a fitness center, playgrounds, tot slots, no idea what that is, sports courts, and a resort-style heated pool. Oh. (laughs) There's also easy access to Albuquerque metro area with plenty of sunshine, historic attractions, entertainment, dining, shopping, outdoor recreational activities like camping, cultural events, and natural beauty to enjoy. (laughs) Jen, I do have, have a career waiting for you <laughs> as a spokesperson for um, for New Mexico. I know, right? <laughs> Gotta love it. Oh, good job. I thought that was funny. Um, but seriously, it is a lot of good. I mean, it's located just Kirtland's located just in a good spot. You can get to anywhere you basically need, which is mm-hmm. great. Most areas are like that, so. I don't know why I said that. Anyway. Well, like, the military tends to, like, get land where it's cheaper and it's not the best mm-hmm. location. But usually mm-hmm. it's adjacent to a bigger city, so. I know, right? You know, Albuquerque, yeah. I heard, is pretty good. So we're going to learn mm. about that, too. Okay. Um, but, yeah, you're pretty close to everything. So if you have base access... The amenities on base, as always, are the commissary, the BX, gas station, dental clinic, auto skills center, barbershop, beauty shop, uh, the child development center, medical clinic, family center, veterinary clinic, fitness centers. They have two, I believe. Hmm. A library, a golf course, and the chapel. They have a golf course? They do. They have a golf course, yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Um, you can stay at the Kirtland Inn for TLF or just visiting your family members. Yeah. Stay through needs. Yeah. Family members. Anyone needing a hotel room? Driving. Places to eat. Because that's most important. That is the most important. (laughs) Places to eat on base. The Bogey Bar and Grill. Jitters Coffee Shop. Mountain View Club. Uh... Relativity Bar and Grill, Spare Time Grill, and Kiva Juice. Kiva? Mm-hmm. Keva? Kiva. I'm going to say yeah, Kiva. Right. Oh, and this one's just for you, Veronica. There's okay. a fam camp for camper van staying. Okay, I would do a, I'd probably do a camper van. Right, because then you right? have like, yeah. your built-in. you got a bed. you got a kitchenette. You've got a bathroom. Yeah, yeah. You're set. I'll do that. 
Okay, I'd rather fun. do that. You can rent out a space and a full hookup. I think it said for the full hookup for per day was like 25 bucks a day or so. I could do that. Which is not bad. I think that's no. pretty fun. They have those at uh, varying, I don't know if it's at every single Air Force base, but I know like Davis Monthan had one. There was a, it was a, where all the retirees would like to go and stay. Montana had one as well. Um, yeah. And uh, it was, it wasn't very appealing to me like it was just kind of off in a corner of base and like overlooking a railroad track oh so it wasn't that appealing but i I could see like people that have an rv like storing it there or like family members that have one Mm -hmm. and are visiting they could stay there yeah Yeah. okay yeah something to do at least um other amenities include obviously itt arts and crafts like i said fitness centers they have two uh bowling Outdoor recs, swimming pools, as I believe they have an outdoor and an indoor. Um, the golf course, movie theater, and Aero Club Flight Training Center. <gasps> Aero Flight? Yeah. That's a coincidence. Your story and my story today. Weird, right? All right. Yeah. I know. So there's actually two CDC centers on Kirtland Air Force Base, so that's good if you if one's full. You got another one to choose from. There's Auto <laughs> Hobby and an MVD. So you don't even have to go off base to go get your license or whatever you need to do. Oh, God. They got one there for you. Oh, and hopefully it's faster than the sloths that are working at the other ones. They type, <laughs> they type one, one letter an hour. That's basically oh my gosh, it. I know. That's what it feels like, right? Yes. Like, why can't I, why can't I have more access to this online? Why do I have to stand in line right. to have my picture taken when you don't even say one two three smile? You're like, you know, stand there, click, be like, no, my eyes are closed. I was mid sneeze. I don't care. <laughs> I could take Not my own picture. I can take my yeah. own picture and send it to you, please. Yeah, please. I'd look much better. I know. Um, they have an education center, of course, offering schools such as Emory Riddle, um, Wayland Baptist. Oh my God, Wayland Baptist University, Lewis University of Oh Lewis University and University of New Haven. Okay, so they use they usually have on on base. Yeah, same stuff. So okay. they offer like in person school. Or online stuff. All right. So that's the base amenities there for you. All the same kind of cool stuff, things to do, whatnot. So Albuquerque, Albuquerque is a very outdoor friendly place for you to be. It's very family friendly. There are many attractions and sightseeing tours, outdoor activities, um, anything you could possibly imagine that you'd want to do outside, you'd be able to do it. There, mm-hmm. you can take a scenic hot air balloon flight over the city. Nope. nope. You can play <laughs> a round at one of our, one of their, not our, <laughs> it's mine, uh, their award-winning golf courses. So there's golf courses, sure. many off base. You can mountain bike in the Sandium foothills. Hike through history, which that's all they give you. Kayak the waters of legendary Rio Grande or stroll through Old Town. Mm -hmm. All that sounds great, except for the hot air balloon. Oh, the hot air balloon is the best. And 
we'll get to that. There's an even exciting, more exciting part with that. So there's also <laughs> much you can discover inside as well. In, as the largest city in New Mexico, Albuquerque is packed with activities, culture attractions, and distinctive sightseeing opportunities. You can visit the National Hispanic Culture Center, the Indian Pueblo Culture Center, or one of our many world-class museums. They just have a lot of museums. Yeah. Fun stuff to see. Learn about new new cultures, uh, history of, uh, of New Mexico and of Albuquerque. Um, in the food, come on, the food. Yes, yes. You just, you need it in your life. So, yeah. the hot air balloons. Um, Albuquerque International Balloon Festival is the world's largest hot air balloon festival, which takes place each October, where you'll see hundreds of balloons in the sky at one time. Hundreds <laughs> of these yeah. beautiful hot air balloons, all decorated, all different colors. I mean, it's just like you're like surrounded by them all the time. Right. I've seen I've seen pictures of it and it, look, it mm-hmm. does look beautiful. I would never get into the hot air balloon because that's crazy thought to me. But but I would I would enjoy seeing them. I always get excited when I see a hot air balloon in the sky. Me too. So yeah. I know. It would be beautiful to see. So my aunt lives in Albuquerque and my mom has actually gone oh. to this festival before. And I'm so jealous one of these days one of these days i'm gonna go mm-hmm. it's you have like you have to see it it's just amazing i think i don't know if it's like the sunrise part you want to go to or maybe even both the sunrise sunset i don't know how long it lasts it's just like just something that you you just you have to see so their albuquerque's broken down for their um act i don't know what you would even call it it's broken down into different sections of areas you can go to throughout Albuquerque, and they all have different, diverse things that you can go see. So, historic mm-hmm. Old Town, um, it's the heart of Albuquerque since the city was founded in 1706. It's the city's culture center with seven museums and more than 100 shops, galleries, and restaurants. Downtown, downtown Albuquerque, Albuquerque. Um, it has the bustling nightlife along with Central Avenue, which is Route 66, including many nightclubs, theaters, and restaurants. The Albuquerque Convention Center is located downtown, and it's close to several major hotels. So that looks kind of like the uh, like the party time. That's where you want to okay. go if you want to have a good time. Right. You know, staying out late. I can't do that anymore. For the young okay. people who like the nightlife. Exactly. The nightlife. That's it. Mm-hmm. Knob Hill is a vibrant district with eclectic shops, swanky dining, and chic night spots. It's Route 66 architecture and neon signs combined with predominantly local-owned shops, galleries, and restaurants. Um, So it's more of just that more, like, hip, artsy type of area. Okay. It sounds nice. I know, right? Sounds fun. Yeah. Airport area is obviously home to Albuquerque Sunport, which is what they call their airport. Um, it has major <laughs> sports stadiums. Right, Sunport. I love that. Yeah, Sunport. This is where you park your sun. <laughs> this is where the sun arrives. The park sun is here. here. 
and board your son, please. Board your son. <laughs> yeah. Join in on our sunshine. Here it is. There yeah. it goes. <laughs> and here it's back again. Um, it has major sports stadiums, arenas. Uh, this is where Kirtland Air Force Base and Sandia National Laboratories. Oh, that's important. Maybe someone needs that. Sure. Laboratories. Yeah. And then, obviously, plenty of hotels all located near the airport because everybody needs a hotel near the airport yes, if you don't stay very long. This is true. This is true. Um, mm. Midtown University area is centered around the University of New Mexico. It has hotels and restaurants that are conveniently located near the I-25, I-40, or Big I. Uptown. Uptown area encompasses a major business center as well as Expo New Mexico and two of Albuquerque's main shopping malls. Um, so Expo New Mexico is home to the New Mexico State Fair, one of the largest state fairs in the country. Oh. In the country. During the during the year, it is a popular venue for sporting events, festivals, and concerts. Coronado Center and ABQ Uptown feature a wide range of shopping opportunities, including local shops and national department stores. There's a lot of shopping in Albuquerque. You will not be short on shopping. So the east side encompasses the foothills of the Sandia Mountains, which offer great outdoor activities such as hiking and mountain biking. Uh, the Sandia Peak Aerial Tramway takes vis- visitors from the base to the top of the mountains on a spectacular ride. That sounds fun. It does sound fun. Balloon uh, Fiesta Park slash North I-25 area is home to, obviously, the Balloon Fiesta and the Anderson Abruzzo International Balloon Museum. So you can go to oh. a museum even. See? They, I mean, if if it's something that they've been doing for so long, it's like they would have a lot of history on it. So yeah, how it got for started sure. and memorabilia yeah. balloon. I'd balloon love to go memorabilia. See... <laughs> yeah, I would love to go to that just to learn about yeah. how that all started. How do you start like a whole fiesta of hot air balloons all at one time? You know, I'd love to yeah. know who thought just, of that. It probably probably like it's the best day to fly a hot air balloon. Let's gather here, and then it just went from there. Yeah. It's true. Who knows? I know, right? It's pretty. It sounds It fun. is. It is. Um, so there's just a few more. There's North Valley, Los Ranchos um areas are in a lush green valley that run along the Rio Grande that am I saying that right? Yeah. My white voice. Rio Grande. Yeah, Rio Grande. Anyway, this area is known for its wonderful act- outdoor activities, wineries. Yes, please. Farmers markets and spas. That's I think fun. like hot air balloons and wineries go together because they do that in in Napa in the Napa Valley too. Oh uh, yeah, and hot air balloons and wineries. It's I mean it's a perfect combination. I'm kind of already sold. Hot air balloon. I wouldn't mind going to New Mexico. I'm I'm down. It sounds pretty. Yeah. Yeah. You had me on the 360 days of sunshine, or however. I know, many. right? Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. They said it's like between like 300 and 300 and 360. It's just crazy. Yeah. The west side is marked by the peaks of dormant volcanoes. Oh. And the treasures of Petroglyph National Monument where visitors can walk among ancient volcanic rock etchings. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. I love that. I love history stuff. It's so, it's so amazing just to see 
crazy to see stuff that's still around like that. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. South Valley maintain close ties to Albuquerque's Hispanic roots. It is here that you will find many excellent New Mexican and Mexican restaurants, as well as the National Hispanic Culture Center. Yes, please. I'm there. Sign me up. And finally, just the surrounding areas of Albuquerque, including Rio Rancho and the East Mountains, provide many unforgettable experiences, such as the Turquoise Trail and Tinker Town Museum. So, you will not be short of something to do in Albuquerque, like, almost any day. You always have something to do. You have family in you always have somewhere to take them. Somewhere different. I mean, I don't think you can probably hit all these places unless right. they plan to stay for like two weeks or so. But yeah. Yeah. It sounds like there's definitely a lot to see and to do. The hot air balloon thing sounds really fun to see if you go at the right time of year and to see the, the fiesta. I could just imagine like the sky just super colorful and all the hot air mm-hmm. balloons and just the culture itself, I think would be really neat to experience yeah definitely so kirtland air force base there you go yeah for those of you that um are uh, possibly looking to go there or have recently received orders to to be stationed there this is a good info we give you the best only the best yes you can build from there well you know i i think of i think of like when i'm on facebook and i see some of these um of um groups dedicated to the spouses and they're like i just got orders to blah blah blah. give me the good and the bad and it's like do you really want to hear the bad like i would just want to hear the good because i can build from there and then make my own opinion on the bad situations but it's like people go on there and it's like i hated it there because it it always rained or whatever you know it's like well that's your personal opinion when you hated it but like if you give them the good people can build from it and and you know and go with a a positive vibe at least when they get there they're expecting good things and then if bad things happen or they just don't enjoy themselves that's their own opinion i don't know that's um uh we um told some family where we were going and right away they started like saying that it was so not a good place that it was dirty and and it was just so populated and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay. And they're like, well, this was like 50 years ago when I was there. I was like, so you can't just say that. Um, so it's always good to hear good information like what you're putting out. When we do the base highlights, we give you the good. And that's all we give you. <laughs> so, yeah, that's great, Jen. Thanks. Good info. Yes, you're welcome. I hope that helps out anyone who is moving or thinking about you know what it'd be like to move out to albuquerque at least um hopefully that helps and it's good you need always yeah like veronica said just good information give people positive things Mm because you know what everyone's going to experience different things on their own and you don't want to start somebody off with you know a lot of negativity because right just ruins a place for you completely yeah, because then you have that feeling in the back of your mind now. It's like, when when is the bad thing going to happen? When am I going to get there and expect something right. bad to happen? But if you give them good feedback on um, where they're going, it's like they go in with an open mind. Exactly. Expecting these exactly. great things. And then, yeah, and then whatever. They can make their own bad opinions about it later on. I don't know. That's how I feel. 
Yeah. Yeah. I always get really sad when I hear people shitting on other bases or posts or, or camps. And it's like, let them make their own opinion. Yeah. Um, Veronica, thank you for that amazing, crazy story that even yeah. though they concluded it, I don't think it's concluded at all. Right. No it's kind of fishy. It's very yeah, fishy. Yeah, just a little. Who knows? Yeah. Just we'll a see. little. So it's conspiracy we'll theories, of course, but still. Right. <laughs> When you yeah. are, when you're given certain evidence that other things could be in the works, then that's mm-hmm. where all these, you know, other opinions come out of. And mm-hmm. it just doesn't sound right. It doesn't. It doesn't. We have a lot of questions and uh, a lot of evidence that points in a different direction that I yeah. think should have been researched more. But, you know, 35 years later, we're still waiting. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Jen, for the Kirkland highlight. That was cool. That was neat. It sounds really nice. You said the cost of living is low. We're looking for a place to settle down one day. Might pitch that to Kyle. Right now, he's, like, pitching me Idaho. And I'm like, it's cold. (laughs) Right. It's pretty. It's very pretty. I like Idaho. Don't get me wrong. I do. But it's cold. Yes. This girl needs sunshine and warm weather. More sunshine than the cold. You can deal with a little cold, but more sunshine, please. Yeah. I want to wish everybody a happy new year. I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas or Christmas Eve or, you know, just a wonderful December 25th if you don't celebrate it. Whatever your belief is, whatever your decision for celebrating or not celebrating, I hope you had a wonderful time. Um, And I hope that uh, this New Year's, is great as well ring it in quietly for everybody i think it's going to be so different we're all ready to say goodbye to 2020 to see what shit storm 21 brings us <laughs> yeah for real yeah um i'm optimistic yeah i hope that uh i i i'm i'm leaving it all up to science mm-hmm. and i believe in science and so mm, we're hopeful you gotta be optimistic otherwise it's just it's just depressing (laughs) it's it's already depressing but i'm trying to be optimistic about the depression and be like it's okay we're on lockdown guess what now i have more time to clean the house and purge some more shit that i don't need right Right. (laughs) that's how i see it yeah i've been content staying home actually i'm not gonna lie like aside from um you and um our other friends not being here i'm totally content with staying home Mm-hmm. And not doing anything. So it's fine. For me, yeah. it's fine. If I was yeah. if you guys were here and we could go out and do stuff, then it'd be more depressing. But yes. I'm okay it'd with be it. Harder. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I don't think I have I worn jeans in like three weeks. I know. It's the best. It's yeah. the best. You know? It sucks. It, you know, everything is just weird and it sucks and it's different and we all just kinda have to Go with the flow because, I mean, what else are you going to do? There's not much we can do. No, it's harder to just be, like, sad and and upset about it and be sad and have your emotions and be, you know, be upset or be angry. And, you know, that's fine. Be in your emotions because... That's fine. You're entitled to them. Yeah, it's healthy. Get it Mm -hmm. out. Yep, for sure. So just don't let it, like, get you down the whole Mm -hmm. time because... Yeah. There are other things you can do for sure. Like emailing us. You can yes. email us. Tell us all about it. We are here for you. We are your therapist. We are unqualified. Yeah. Uncertified. 
Then mm-hmm. we're here for you. You can do that at dependensplaining at gmail.com uh, or leave us a comment on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Um, and then make sure you rate us on your listening platforms and subscribe. And also don't forget to check us out on Milso Muster that you guys can um, download that app. And for four ninety nine a month, you get all your um, military information needs from Milso Muster. So check yes. them out. I just want to wish everyone a happy new year. It's going to be good. It's going to get better. This is only temporary. These feelings are only temporary. Don't forget that. Um, it may feel like it's been a lifetime and this will never go away, but it will. And we will be able to uh, see our loved ones and hug our loved ones very soon. And um, yeah, thanks guys for listening. Thank you all. Yes. Everyone have a really good new year. Um, but like the meme says, don't claim it. Don't claim it as the best year. Don't, don't do anything. Just quietly sneak Some into the it. new year. <laughs> yeah. Don't upset it. You know, because... Yeah, leave it alone. Don't poke it's... it. Don't feed it after midnight. Don't throw water on mm-hmm. it. Mm-mm. No, we don't yeah. want to know what... Um, don't put it on blast on Facebook. We don't want to know what will happen. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't. Don't look at it in the eye. Nope. Mm-mm. Don't disrupt the beast. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know if yeah. it's good or good or yeah. not yet, so... You don't want to run no. away from it and startle it. Just kind of, like, ball up into the fetal position and just... Let it do its thing. It'll go away eventually. <laughs> <laughs> will it go away? Will it though? I don't know. It will. It will. Okay. It will. Yeah. Just let it be. Have a wonderful new year. Stay positive. Email us if you're feeling down or you just need a chat. Email, Facebook, Instagram. We're always around for mm-hmm. uh for any of that chatting. So because absolutely. Because wherever you go, there There you are. are. (laughs) Goodbye, 2020. Goodbye. See you next year. Bye.